take your Bibles and uh, turn with me to Genesis chapter 13. Genesis chapter 13. It is an honor to be here. We'll, uh, we'll read just a little bit of scripture and uh, pray and then we'll have you be seated. I want to chit-chat with you before we get into the message, if I could. But uh, look at, at Genesis chapter 13 and verse number 10. The Bible says, And Lot lifted up his eyes and beheld all the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, even as the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, as thou comest unto Zoar. Read these next three words out loud with me in verse 11, would you? Here we go. Then Lot chose. Then Lot chose him all the plain of Jordan, and Lot journeyed east, and they separated themselves the one from the other. Father, we ask your blessing on your word. We thank you for this place. For these students and staff, and uh, for Pastor Chapel and his friendship, and I, I would would love to be a blessing today. I'd love to be a help, uh, but I'm well aware that uh, I have nothing. If anything positive happens, it'll be you working in us and through us, and we ask you to do that today in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for standing. You could be seated. I am delighted to be here. It is an honor, and I appreciate the invitation. Appreciate. Uh, Pastor Chapel, uh, having enough confidence to, to let me be here. Uh, I flew out yesterday and will head back shortly after chapel. Today, I, I wanted to say hello from some of uh, the graduates. Of course, my son Caleb uh, was here. He and Autumn, Autumn McCary, and uh, they have been with us now for just a little over a year and are doing a great job, and they were somewhat envious that I was going to get to come, and they weren't. Uh, Autumn asked me to eat an In-N-Out for her. And so uh, they said hello. And then uh, Angela Berger uh, has been teaching for us two years now. I know her brother and sister are here, and uh, she wanted me to greet you guys and and, uh, Katie Koblitz. And they're both doing a great job uh, in our ministry, not just in the school. They do a great job as teachers, but they are engaged in ministry. And uh, you don't get that every time. And I'm very grateful uh, for these young ladies. And I, I wanted to mention, I asked Dr. R, I want to be sure that I wasn't unethical in any way, but we are always looking, like most pastors, for, for workers. And, um, and I'm, I have a conflict. I won't be able to be here during the interview days. But if you would have any interest in just opening up a line of communication, uh, I've got some little three-by-five cards. We, uh, we're going to need uh, some young ladies to work in our daycare as early as this January. And then the daycare in the academy uh, in the fall, and also looking uh, for someone to help us with our Spanish ministry. So uh, we won't have time to chat much today, but I'd like to meet you, and I'll give you one of these cards. You can shoot me an email, and uh, we can kind of open up communication. If that would be of any interest to you, we would we would love to be able to to do that. Uh, I was talking with Brother Weaver. He's he said Brother Finley he said I got I, I'm going to lead singing. He said I got to run to the doctor, and he started telling me. Uh, everything that was wrong with him. Oh, by the way, I've already tweeted about the speaking in tongues during the song service. I took care of that for you. So. Uh, <clears throat> and I was reminded again that uh, none of us are getting any younger. I, about a year and a half ago, someone gave me a Fitbit. And uh, I don't know if it was a hint or what, but I was glad to have it. And I wear it. I wear it all the time. And it's been a huge help. Uh, it tells me how many, how many steps I've walked each day. They, they say they want you to get 10,000 steps a day. 
I don't always do that. I've got uh, 5,334 today. I got up this morning, walked around campus some, and, and uh, it even, when I'm in my office working, it'll even, if I haven't gotten up in an hour, it'll vibrate, and it'll say something like, get up, you lazy bum, or something like that, and I'll get up and go down to our auditorium and do a few laps and go back. And, and then it's, it's such a blessing because it tells me what a good job I'm doing. And when you pastor an independent Baptist church for somebody to tell you you're doing a good job every once in a while, that's a huge blessing. <laughs> and uh, the most I ever got, one day last week I got uh, 23,000 and some steps. I was working in my, in my yard and I, I worked most of the day. The best day I ever had was 25,000. That's a lot of walking. And I got home that night, I was so excited, I told my wife, I said, you know what, I got, I got 25,000 steps today. She said, yeah, I, I, that's really good, Rick. She said, but uh, 11,000 of those were at the pizza buffet tonight. So, um, so that's kind of counterproductive, but it's all good. And we'll get it, we'll take it however we get it. Uh, my nephew, Matthew, is a student here. I was planning to be here and thought, man, I'll, maybe we can spend some time, and he's actually back home. Uh, his sister got married Saturday, and uh, Daniel Robbins is one of our boys, and I hope I get to speak to you, Daniel, after the service. You ever think about how many decisions we make? Someone said, and, and I'm not sure how they measured this, but I was reading this morning that uh, on average we make 35,000 decisions a day. That's kind, of, that's kind of scary. And, and some of those are not real important decisions. You know, that may be, okay, Fruit Loops or Cheerios. You know what I'm saying? It's, but some of them are, are huge. Some of them are real important. They say that some of our decisions and choices are even made almost subconsciously. And I look back over my life and I think about being a college student and I think about during the five years that I was in college, how many choices I made and how they have impacted my life for the last 35 years. We read a passage just a moment ago, a man named Lot, and the Bible said, and you read it with me in verse 11, then Lot chose. And I want to stop and say this, by way of introduction, I am thankful this morning that the Lord gives us a free will. I am saved and on my way to heaven today because I chose to put my faith and trust in Christ. He didn't force me to do that. Uh, if, I, if I had chose to reject the gospel, God would have accepted that. It's not His will. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But He didn't make me get saved. I think back to the night I surrendered my life to ministry and to serve the Lord. And I, I'm glad God allowed me to choose that. He didn't force me. Being one thing, one thing that is so worthwhile to me to get on a plane and fly six hours to come and be here with you guys for an hour is, is I appreciate the choices that you guys have made. And the fact that you're here because at some point you chose to give God some time in your life after high school either to prepare you for your life's work or to help you get a better understanding of what your life, life's work is going to be. I chose 34 years ago uh, to marry my wife. And we have had a wonderful time and laughed and cried together and God has been good to us. I, I chose to be uh, in ministry at Fellowship Baptist Church. I, I grew up in that church. I went there when I was three years old. 
So I've been there 33 years. It's unbelievable, really. That's, but you'll get that later on. Uh, I, I've been in that church for 54 years. There you are, Daniel. Good to see you, man. 54 years. And, and, and you know what? I, I, I'm glad God let me choose that. I'm glad God didn't make me do that. By the way, God doesn't make me stay there. God gives me every day the ability and the freedom to choose. But I will tell you this. He does hold us accountable for our choices. If you know this story, you know that this is a turning point in the life of Lot. We read the verses a few moments ago, and and the Bible simply states that Lot chose. Now, I want you to think about his choice this morning. We're going to jump right into this. Number one, I want you to to notice here that Lot's choice was poisoned by carnality. Now, we have a major problem, and that is that when we got saved, our flesh did not get saved. And we still, I look forward to that day when this robe of flesh, I'll drop and rise and seize the everlasting prize. But until then, I live in this body that is, that is depraved. And every single choice I make, unless I deliberately yield my will to God's and yield my uh, uh, spirit to his, all of my decisions are poisoned by my carnality. Look, if you would, at Genesis chapter 13 and verse number 10, we read, the, no, verse 5, back up to verse 5, if you would. The Bible said, in Lot also, which went with Abram, had flocks and herds and tents, and the lamb was not able to bear them, that they might dwell together, for their substance was great, so that they could not dwell together. And there was a strife between the herdmen of Abram's cattle and the herdmen of Lot's cattle, and the Canaanite and the Perizzite dwelled then in the land. And Abram said unto Lot, Let there be no strife, I pray thee, between me and thee, and between my herdmen and thy herdmen, for we be brethren. Is not the whole land before thee? Separate thyself, I pray thee, from me. If thou wilt take the, the left hand, then I'll go to the right, or if thou depart to the right hand, then I will go to the left. So now Lot has to choose. He has to choose. I don't see anywhere in this passage where Lot ever stopped to pray, but he chose. I don't see anywhere in this passage where Lot sought counsel of anyone. He just chose. And we all know the, the end result of Lot's choices, but we need to, I think, go back and realize that the reason Lot made the choice that he made and the reason he reaped the consequences that he reaped is because his choice was poisoned by his own carnality. It was all about money. He had cattle. He looked at this fertile, lush valley. And all Lot is thinking about is, man, that would be, that would be a great place to, to, to raise cattle. That'd be, I, I, that, that would have helped me so much. There was nothing spiritual about Lot's choices. His choices were poisoned by his own carnality. Notice, if you would, at verse 10, it said, And Lot lifted up his eyes and beheld all the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. Even as the garden of the Lord, notice this phrase here, like the land of Egypt. Egypt has always been a picture of the world. It always has been a picture of the world. And here Lot, the Bible very clearly tells us that Lot looked at this place and he said, you know what, that is just like the land of Egypt. Remember, when the children of Israel were wanting to go back to Egypt, they were griping and murmuring and they wanted those watermelons and leeks and garlics. And, but, but wait a minute, that's what God delivered them from. Why are they wanting to go back to what they had been delivered from? It was their carnality. 
I can tell you from experience that uh, any choice I've ever made in the flesh has turned out to be the wrong choice. Every time. Every time I chose based on what I wanted. I, I hear, Dr. Getch, I have young people say to me sometimes, well, in my heart, I just feel in my heart that this is the right thing to do. In your heart. You're talking about the heart that is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked? You're talking about that heart? And so you are going to reason and justify your decisions because in my heart, this is what I've always wanted to do. Be careful that your choice isn't poisoned by your own carnality. One of the reasons why so many young people, I fear, make so many foolish choices is because their thinking is so worldly. We have looked that way for a long time and we have wondered what it's like all of our lives. How many of you were blessed to grow up in a Christian home? You're at least a second generation Christian. Raise your hand. And I tell you that I've, I've done this for a little while and we've got second, third and fourth generation Christians in our, in our church. Can I tell you that, man, I wish I had a dollar for every kid who got his eyes on Egypt. I wish I had a dollar for every kid who said, you know, if I grew up in this Christian home and this fundamental church and, and, and I went to this Christian school and it's always been all about these rules and what I can't do and where I can't go and who I can't be with and how I can't dress. And man, I, I just want to know. Well, let me tell you something. I deal with people as a pastor every day who've already been out there and are wanting to come back. Be careful about your carnality. I noticed this about Lot's choice. By the way, before we leave that point, I, I, want you to, I want you to notice this. One of the great things about being in a college like this is it gives you an opportunity to clear your mind from all the worldliness that can occupy your life and hinder your decision. This is a wonderful place. Some of you are probably here because someone said, why don't you give God a year? You don't know what you're going to do. Why don't you give God a year of your life and go to Bible college? It's a great place to make decisions. And it is a great place to make decisions. One commentary wrote this about that passage. The Bible says, and Lot lifted up his eyes. It says, the spot near Bethel from which the view described in this verse can be obtained is easily identified. Travelers speak in glowing terms of the scene commanded by this piece of high ground. Can I tell you this morning what West Coast Baptist College is? It's a piece of high ground where you get a real good vantage point to make some really solid decisions. In the five years I spent in Bible college... I actually got saved at Bible college. I had struggled with assurance. I chose who I was going to date. I chose who I was going to marry. I chose where I was going to begin my ministry. I chose a lifetime of friends. All in Bible college. I'm just going to tell you, I'm glad, I'm glad that many of the most impacting decisions in my life took place while I was in a place much like this. The second thing I want you to notice is this. Lot's choice was predictive of his course. It was predictive of his course. Look at verse 11. Then Lot chose him all the plain of Jordan, and Lot journeyed east. God says, let me tell you his direction. Let me tell you what direction he went. He went east. Why? Because, because of the choice he had made. Someone once said, your decisions determine your direction. And that is so, that is so true. Last week I was, um, I was flying to Chicago and, and, and I booked a ticket and I, I said I want to go from Raleigh-Durham to Chicago. That was my choice. 
my choice determined my direction. When I got to the airport, I, uh, I, I, I went through security and I found the monitor that told what gate I was going to be flying out of. Well, why did that matter? Because I needed to be sure that I got on a plane that was going to Chicago. I hate flying. First of all, they don't make airplane seats for people like me. It's miserable. I got there last week and and they said, we're going to be delayed, said we have a mechanical problem. That does not help me in my spirit. So we sat at the gate an extra 30 minutes and then we were able to get on the plane and they were not moving. And they said, uh, we're still waiting. We're waiting for, listen to this, we're waiting for the mechanic. The mechanic, like you got one? In an international airport, you have one? One mechanic. And they said, he is two gates down working on a plane. And we're hoping that we can get him to come down and help us. And what if he doesn't? That's that's what I want to know. If the mechanic says, hey, man, I got to go. My my wife and I are going out for dinner tonight. Does that mean we go down to Bo's garage and get some teenager that's working down there, see if he'll come over? Maybe he would like to help us out. It's a mechanical failure. I hate flying. Then you're all ready, and then they start their little spiel, you know. And they they tell you that uh, there's this life vest under your seat. In the event that we have a water evacuation. So they put that little thing on. It looks like an oversized bib. And then they say, now what you do is you pull this little red tab. And then they say this. I listened to them the other, just yesterday. And if that doesn't work, if that doesn't work, <laughs> are you serious? If that doesn't work, if that doesn't work, then blow on this little red tube. Let me tell you, if that doesn't work, I'm going to be hyperventilating, blowing on that tube, man. I'm telling you, I'm going to wear that tube out. But it's all for naught. I mean, how many times, how many times have you ever seen news footage and these people are floating around in water with these little silly life vests on waiting for somebody to come and help them out? It don't happen. When those things go down, you're done. <laughs> Cut to the chase, man. Why are we wasting all this time talking about all these what ifs? What if we crash? We're going into eternity. I hate flying. I really don't hate flying. I hate crashing. Crashing's a bummer. I made it to LAX yesterday because of a choice that I made. Decisions determine direction. Some of you are going to make decisions while you're in Bible college that are going to determine... Where, where you're headed in life. We have a, a ministry in our church that's, there's, the Durham Rescue Mission is there, and it's not a part of our church, but the ladies from the mission, from the ladies' home, come to our church. Three services a week, we run a bus over and pick them up, them and their children. It's a great opportunity for us, and, and hardly a Sunday goes by that we don't have someone saved from the rescue mission. These ladies, my wife actually teaches about 40 of them in Sunday school every week. Man, they're rough. Renee got in the car one Sunday after church and she said, well, the discussion before the lesson was interesting this morning in my class. And I said, really? She said, yeah. She said they were discussing which prisons had the best food. 
Can I tell you why those women are in that shelter? Because a choice that many of them made when they were your age. Decisions determine direction. His choice was poisoned by his own carnality. He chose out of selfish motivation. His choice was predictive of his course. And then the third thing I notice here is found in verse 9. Look there if you would. The Bible says in verse number 9, Is not the whole land before thee? Separate thyself, I pray thee, from me. If thou wilt take the left hand, then I will go to the right. Or if thou depart to the right hand, then I will go to the left. Now I want you to think about this. Abraham is talking to Lot. That's his uncle. We call him Father Abraham. By the way, let me remind you about this, about Abraham. Let me tell you what God said about Abraham. That man's my friend. That's what God said. Abraham didn't say, God's my friend or I'm God's friend. God said about Abraham, that man is my friend. That's, that's, that's big leagues right there. So here is a man that God had declared to be his friend. Lot is privileged to fellowship with him, to hang out with him, to travel with him, to journey with him. And now we got a problem because Lot's herdmen and Abraham's herdmen are fighting. And Abraham, a spiritual man, says, we can't have this. And so we got to separate. Now, if I'm Lot, I'm just telling you, I'm going to say, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Time out, time out, time out. Uncle Abraham, if you'll wait right here. And I'm going to fire me some herdmen. Because I'm not going to let a bunch of selfish herdmen cause me to separate from a man that God said, that's my friend. I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. Your choices are going to have much to do with the people that you spend the rest of your life with. It's, 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 it's mind-boggling. Here's what I find. I find that young people... And young adults oftentimes make choices that separate them from godly people in their lives. Too often our decisions as young adults are made and the choices that we make separate us from our parents rather than bringing us to our parents. They separate us from our pastor rather than, than, than bringing us closer to our pastor. I... I Renee and I have been married 34 years. We've had a time. We have laughed together and cried together and, and enjoyed life. I've got five kids. Two of the boys work with us there in the ministry. My oldest daughter uh, is there, her and her husband. He's a, he's a businessman. And, and I've got a daughter that serves in her father-in-law's church and Georgia. God's been so good to us. We've got five grandkids and one on the way. And let me just stop and give you uh, the, the, grand, the grandparent deal. It's unbelievable being a grandparent. I used to get so sick being around grandparents. It was disgusting, you know. Let me, let me show you my grandkids. Let me tell you about my... I don't care. Hey, sir, I could care less about your grandkids, okay? <laughs> you know what happened to me? The moment Raylan Noel was born, I became the person I had made fun of for all these years. Man, I am nuts. I mean, I do crazy things. I spend money I don't have. It's unbelievable. We went to lunch Sunday after church, and, and Chris is in town, so her two boys were there, and, and Raylan was there, and 
and, uh, and Jackson was there. And uh, one of my grandkids, one of my grandsons, is named fin- his first name is Finley. Now, that, that's pretty cool. Well, that's not Finley, Finley. Okay, he's a Ray. It's Finley Ray. Finley Finley would be kind of tacky. But, but, but he's a... Man, we, we have a time. Can I tell you? I think back. I think back to when I was in Bible college. I think back to when I met my wife. I think back when I chose to date her. I think back to when we chose to date properly. I think back when I went to Brother Weaver, who was in the college there at the time, and asked him, hey, I, I need some help. I, I want to get engaged. And he counseled me and guided my life. And I think back, I wouldn't have those five grandkids. I wouldn't have those five kids. I wouldn't be here today. I wouldn't know Paul Chapel. I wouldn't have met many of these men on this staff. God has been so good to this preacher. But I'm telling you, it all goes back to choices that I made. What a life. Your choice, decisions that you make, they, they'll be preemptive of your communication, who you're going to spend your life with. And then I think about this. I think about how his choice was productive of his consequences. Lot stood on that peak and he looked across that valley and it seemed pretty cut and dry to him. It was simple. It was a no-brainer. I got cattle. This is fertile land. Great place for my cattle to graze. Healthy cattle, healthy bank account. It's just it's so it's so duh. It's so obvious, right? So he chooses. We said earlier decisions determine direction, but can I add this? Direction determines destiny. Decisions determine direction, but direction determines destiny. You understand that choices you make this year in college are going to determine where you are 30 years from now. I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to scare you. God has given you the He's given you the the right to choose and he's given you the Holy Spirit to help you choose and he's given you, in many cases, godly parents and pastors and teachers and college faculty to, 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 to advise you in your choosing. But the choices that you make today are going to determine your destiny, where you are. You know what, young people, if I had sat down as a college freshman and tried to script out my life, just write it all down, I I could never have scripted a life like what God has given me. It's unbelievable. Brother Deverick took me to dinner last night. I said, I'm having the the best time I think I've ever had in my ministry. I I just love serving the Lord and and, and loving people and and trying to honor Christ with my life. And and I struggle and I fail, but man, what a way to live. And, and, And what I live today. I was walking around this morning. And I was thinking, you know, I, I wouldn't be here preaching in chapel today had I not made some good choices 35 years ago. So, so it's, not like, it's not like a box of chocolates where, you know, you always wonder what's on the inside and, and you eat one and 
if you, if you eat it, if you bite off the bottom of it and you don't like it, you can always put it back. <laughs> but life is not a box of chocolates. Life is a series of decisions. And those decisions have consequences. In Lot's case, the consequences were pretty intense. Turn to Genesis chapter 19. Genesis chapter 19, look at verse 1. And there came two angels to Sodom at even, and Lot sat in the gate of Sodom. And Lot, seeing them, rose up to meet them, and he bowed himself with his face toward the ground. And he said, Behold now, my lords, turn in, I pray you, into into your servant's house, and tarry all night, and wash your feet, and ye shall rise up early, and go on your ways. And they said, Nay, but we will abide in the street all night. And he, Lot, pressed upon them greatly, and they turned in unto him, and he entered, and entered into his house. And he made them a, a feast, and did bake unleavened bread, and they did eat. But before they lay down, the men of the city, even the men of Sodom, compassed the, the house round, round, both young and old, old and young, all the people from every quarter. And we all know what kind of men these were. Look at what it says there. It says, verse 5, And they called unto Lot and said unto him, Where are the men which came into thee this night? Bring them out unto us that we may know them. Verse 6, And Lot went out at the door unto them and shut the door after him and said, I pray you, brethren, do not so wickedly. Behold now, I, I can't even comprehend this. I can't even comprehend it. Behold now, I have, I have two daughters which have not known man. Let me, I pray you, bring them out unto you and do ye to them as it is good in your eyes. Are you serious? I got two daughters. And here's a man saying to a, a crowd of homosexuals gathered around his, his doorstep, if, if you'll leave these men alone, I'll give you my two daughters and you do whatever you feel is right by them. But, but let me help you. That happened because Lot chose. Those were the consequences. We go on down in Genesis chapter 19. Look at verse number 15, if you would. And when the morning arose, then the angels hastened Lot, saying... Arise, take thy wife and thy two daughters, which are here, lest thou be consumed in the iniquity of the city. And while he lingered, the men laid hold upon his hand and upon the hand of his wife and upon the hand of his two daughters, the Lord being merciful unto him. Thank God for mercy. And they brought him forth and set him without the city. And it came to pass when they had brought them forth abroad that he said, Escape for thy life, look not behind thee, neither stay thou in all the plain. Escape to the mountain, lest thou be consumed. Look at verse number 26. But his wife looked back from behind him, and she became a pillar of salt. Why? Because Lot chose. Because Lot made decisions based on what he wanted, based on what his corrupt, carnal nature dictated. And that's why he's living with these repercussions. I read a story, I don't know if... Maybe you heard about him. Does the name Bryce DeJean Jones mean anything to any of you? 
He grew up in Englewood, not far from here. He would shoot hoops in the backyard until 1 o'clock in the morning. And, and of course, during that era, every kid who lived in L.A. and played basketball wanted to be Kobe, right? Everybody wanted to be Kobe. And, and I read this story that said that you could hear him in the alley and, and, and Bryce was the, he was Kobe and the announcer and the crowd all in one. And, and most of us have done this at one time. Uh, he's got the ball. Kobe Bryant's got the ball. He's, uh, the Lakers are down two. And uh, the clock is winding down. Three, two, one. He shoots. He scores. The crowd goes crazy. That was, that was Bryce Jones. That was, that was what he wanted to do. That was his passion. He went to high school there. Two different high schools. View Park Prep and William Howard Taft Charter. He's a great athlete. One thing Bryce had going against him was his temper. He played at Southern Cal. But he got kicked off the team because he couldn't control his temper. He transferred to UNLV, same behavior, wasn't invited back. Played one year at Iowa State, but was charged with a drug charge, another bad choice. And finally, he ended up with the New Orleans Pelicans. Bryce Jones <clears throat> had a girlfriend who got pregnant, another bad choice. And on May 28, 2015, he took a trip to Dallas for his daughter's first birthday. Everybody told him not to go. Said, Bryce, don't, don't go. Bring her here. But he was determined. And so he flew to his girlfriend's and called an Uber to her apartment in an upscale neighborhood. And on their fourth night together, they went to the Bungalow Beach Club in downtown Dallas. Another bad choice. They found a sitter on Craigslist, dropped the baby off at a home on Peabody Avenue. And while at the club, Bryce got drunk and smoked some pot. More bad choices. They got ready to leave the club and they went to the sitter's house and his girlfriend asked Bryce to go get the baby and reminded him not to forget the diaper bag and he just lost it. He went nuts. He got out of the car. <clears throat> Instead of going to the apartment to get the baby, he stormed down the block. He got down to the corner, turned right. His girlfriend trying to call him, trying to talk some sense back into him, but when she called him, the phone rang in the front seat of the car. He had dropped his phone. She went in and got the baby went back to her apartment and uh, put the baby to bed and lay down on the couch. About an hour later, uh, Bryce Jones walked through the gate of the Candom Belmont apartments and caught the elevator to the third floor. He got off the elevator, turned left, and went to the first door on the left, number 1345. And he was fit to be tied. He was livid. He began to kick the door and bang on the door and, and scream expletives. His coach, the Pelicans, told him once, he said, Bryce, you need to be able to walk away. Dave Rice at UNLV told him on multiple occasions, Bryce, you've got to calm down. All the way back to his AAU coach when he's a teenager, Brian Beard said, Bryce, you've got to control yourself, control your emotions. But right now he has no control. He's six foot six and weighs 235 pounds, and he's determined that he's going to get in that apartment that he's been locked out of. He's able to punch his way through two deadbolts and found himself in the living room of his girlfriend's apartment. Or so he thought. Bryce Jones had a problem. The problem was he was, at, he was at apartment 1345, one floor below where his girlfriend was asleep on the couch. He was banging on someone else's door. What he did not know is that 
in the bedroom of this apartment that he's knocking the door down is a 22-year-old teacher who is petrified that someone's breaking his apartment. Bryce gets into the living area, makes his way to the bedroom and begins to attack the bedroom door there. But in that bedroom at 1345, that 22-year-old teacher reached into his nightstand and grabbed his loaded handgun. And when Bryce Jones began assaulting the bedroom door, the terrified teacher fired two shots through that door and the banging stopped. He called 911. Police arrived. They found Bryce DeJean Jones lying in the hallway outside apartment 1345 of the Camden Belmont Apartments. Lying in a pool of blood. The choice of his consequences. So the question is, what about us? Aren't you glad today God lets us choose? Aren't you glad God didn't make you come to West Coast Baptist College? By the way, can I tell you this? He won't make you stay. We've been in school long enough now. Some of you are, man, you're, you're overwhelmed. You're homesick. That's a good thing. I'd hate, I'd hate to think my kids went off to college and didn't miss me. And you're going to have to make some choices. You're going to have to, you're going to, have to pray through this thing. You're going, to have to, you're going to have to overcome your own heart, your own carnality. You're going to have to get the mind of Christ. You're going to have to seek the mind of God. You're going to have to make spiritual choices. And your choices are going to determine what your life is like from now on. I think about Abraham. I think about him sitting next to a pillar of salt that was his wife listening to her, his daughters weep because they not only had lost their mom, but their, their husbands, his sons-in-law. And I think about Lot sitting there waiting, watching the smoke ascend to heaven. And I have to think, Dr. Getch, that he was doing a lot of thinking. I'm thinking he would like to have a do-over, right? And if I could do this again, I'm thinking Lot's doing more thinking right there than he did when he chose. Then Lot chose. I want to challenge you today. Seek the mind of Christ. Make spiritual decisions. Don't, don't allow yourself the luxury of choosing in the flesh.